So, I I don't know about you, but I <laughs> I personally think that Matthew McConaughey is just like the biggest pushover. Okay, please elaborate. He's all right, all right, this and all right, all right that. I I feel like you could walk up to this man and just mug him. Uh-huh. He'd say, "Hey, Mister McConaughey, Whip's sure. Blade, I am going to proceed to steal your belongings." Right. And everybody and their mother knows he would proceed to go. All right. All right. All right. Exactly. See, I didn't even. You knew. You knew. You didn't even know where I was going with that, but you also knew where I was going. He has no backbone. Sure. I bet his wife. His wife always picks where they eat. Yeah, no, that and... makes sense. And he just kind of goes with it. All right, all right, all he right. He just turns with that soft Tennessee whistle and he says, well, I mean, if that's where you want to go to eat, I can't argue with you. There. All right. Let's just park your, park your pretty little behind down there in the booth and we'll, we'll get us some fixings. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like he's like the kind of guy where, and no matter what situation you're in, him whispering in your ear is always like it's it's a it's a coin toss as to whether it's really creepy or it's really like smooth and like calming. So it's like, all right, Mr. Mr. McConaughey, put me to sleep. Or it's like, what do you this we're in a Walmart. It's not the time. It's weird. See, the thing that gives Matthew McConaughey his power is uh both can coexist. You're forgetting the third mm-hmm. quantum state. Uh the uh the Matthew McQuantum Hay, if you will, um, <laughs> in which he is, he both sounds creepy and soothing. He's just like, now, now listen here, there's a, <clears throat> come around downtown now. <laughs> there's a, there's a, there's a gun pressed to your back and uh, I, I went ahead and took your family and, well, they're, uh, they're in my van outside, but, uh. It's all going to be okay as long as you pay me the ransom and follow my instructions, all right? And you just be like, like okay, you, said, it's you know, ma- that's scary, but also I, know, yeah. I feel kind of reassured. But here's the thing. Then there's that, like you said, it's the Matthew McQuantum Hay, and then here he comes. The Nacho Libre of Matthew McConaughey comes and puts a pistol behind his back. Oh, of course. And then and then he, and then he says, oh, I see, I see. <laughs> 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 Please p- come come again. <laughs> do I do I have to translate that? Do you not know what a CSC means? Uh, I think no no no. I just I wanted to hear you say that again exactly the way you said it's... it. It's CSC CSC. That was so stupid. <laughs> Roll. <laughs> Freaking intro. I'm not that is usually objective to and but surely expulsion is not the answer. I'm afraid expulsion is the only answer. It is the opinion of the entire staff that Dexter is criminally insane. Same, same, same. All right, well, that's that's the end of the Yankee and Gravy podcast. Um, <laughs> it's been great.
thank you all for joining us. And uh, Anchor didn't even notice us, but that's okay. You know, it's been fun having our 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 followers along. I were we just talking about how we have like we have like okay, I know we have a following. We we oh, have yeah. like cult following. It, it's it's I know we have a cult following. It slowly gets bigger. Mm-hmm. as the episode like just like people by people but then we were like ta- one after one episode we were just kind of just chilling and vibing like we always do it seems to be that after every episode we record we end up just hanging out for a couple hours <laughs> sure and we were talking about how we have we have like global listeners oh like, yeah that's true that's true should i talk about our our analytic breakdown yeah we have uh we have listeners so obviously predominantly united states where we're from here in America. <laughs> Eehaw. Um, Our, uh, yes. We also have some Irish listeners over in Ireland. Oy. And they've all already tuned out upon hearing my, Ir- <laughs> my Irish <laughs> accent. <laughs> I tuned out after hearing that. Then we also have some German listeners from Germany um, who've also turned out and i'm not going to an attempt a czech republic or <laughs> indonesian accent go go ahead cannon go I'm, ahead I, i'm good uh czech republic indonesia and india i'm all just gonna do a hard pass on um yeah. and and that is um that is because largely i have no idea what people from the czech republic sound like <laughs> Wow, we have listeners there. You don't I even know. care about. I'm sorry. Wow. What what do you sound like? Um, listen, if you're listening to this and you're from the Czech Republic, first of all, hi. How did you find us? Um, second I mean, of all, please stay. Yeah, send us a voice recording. I think it's enabled on our like on our website on Anchor. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that's I, I thought that's interesting too. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you can you can go on there and send us a voice message if you want to. Um, and then, you know, maybe we'll put it in the podcast just, just cause I want to hear what, <laughs> yeah, I want to hear what Czech Republican people sound like. The timbre of your voice intrigues me. Right. But yeah, we have like global listeners. We're freaking Mr. World, Mr. Worldwide. Mr. Worldwide. Absolutely. <laughs> Look at us go. I remember when you said that. <laughs> It killed me. I was like, so we have, like, in how many countries? And you were like, well, like, so-and-so number, yeah, yeah. You were like, oh, Mr. Worldwide. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Uh, I, I remember tears coming out of my face because it just caught me so off guard. Sometimes my genius, it's almost frightening. <laughs> it's almost frightening. We, uh... So, so we, we are the, we have reached the pit, we are the pit bull of podcasts. Absolutely we are. Of We've, course also officially hit four dollars in ad revenue so we're basically professionals at this point oh yeah how are we how are we gonna split that oh uh ten ways um ten ways okay (laughs) it'll be divided amongst our listeners (laughs) just just give give the listeners a refund check because we don't deserve it, yeah. like like we didn't we didn't earn it. As you guys up in the views, not us. I will say, uh, our episode six kind of popped off. Uh, I don't know if it's because. Did it? Yeah, I don't know if it's because we um, used buzzwords like coronavirus and conspiracies in mm-hmm. the title, 
but uh mm, maybe but that that has uh that has almost 100 listeners now <clears throat> um wow so mr worldwide mr worldwide indeed <laughs> um and i'm sure part of that is just because that's also the longest span of time i think that we had you know without a new episode being up so mm-hmm. that's probably a contributing factor is people going back and re-listening we had, we had been gone a while and then us finally dropping a new one and honestly like I feel like the each episode is better than the last. Like we learned something. We yeah, we, we started no, that's to learn. Fair. Like I, I think I think audio we, editing and been able yeah. to hook our viewers in, make it more entertaining. Because at first it was just our voices and cracking jokes, but now we can like do cool stuff. This is true. And uh, if you guys are wondering if there's a, a slightly different. Um, style of editing i knew you were gonna yeah if anything's slightly different um i want so you this all episode to go leave hate crap. messages um <laughs> just any social medias that that you can find of uh of <laughs> of yankees <laughs> of please Yankee. um please go and just say you gross this <laughs> this sounds weird i bet it was made by someone way less devilishly handsome than normally does the editing uh for the podcast mm. episodes i think and say that verbatim please uh but don't tell verbatim. him don't tell him that i told you to say that okay keep that on the down okay thank you sweet all right i'll pretend i didn't hear that yeah no that that's not for right. you that's just for our listeners can we can we take a, a small brief cut so i can go cry Oh, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just okay, don't take you. too long. <laughs> um. It's not funny. All right. So, welcome, everybody, to the Yankee and Gravy podcast. I am Yankee. And I'm um, Gravy. This is our Dietloff Pass episode. We have been hyping this up for a few episodes. We have. And we finally, we've finally gotten around to sitting down doing our logical research and actually understanding everything and every little outlook and perspective of this story because we wanted to get it right we didn't want to sound like a bunch of buffoons on this very professional podcast right. uh, and you know life got in the way but now we're here but before we get to that we have an even better story involving <laughs> death and destruction that's right you i've not betcha. yeah uh so Last week, uh, or, yeah, let's say it's last week, even though it wasn't last week, um, I, uh, after we finished recording, I was like, oh, shoot, AJ, I had a story I could have, I could have told you, and I debated (laughs) telling him afterward, but then I was like, no, 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 I'm gonna save it. Um, Because apparently it was that good that you had me in suspense, I, I, I never forgot about it. It was... For two weeks, I have been... It was wild. Seething. Yeah, and. Yeah, obsessing over what this story might be. So last week, we had um, we had material to put up on the Yankee and Gravy Instagram page. That's going to be the case again. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, it might be good to do a photo dump in general. We can include a couple of photos from the case we're talking about today, but we can also include a photo. Oh, absolutely from uh, from this story. Um, because I, I have one, um, as a visual aid. So this story centers around my going to the, the cemetery, uh, with my parents and grandma, 
Um, Which is so sad. I'm I like my condolences. The fact that you're going there is not funny, but you hyping this up like a strange amount and you you can't even like get through telling me about the fact that you want to tell me the story without laughing tells me that this is going to be really good. And I don't know why. I'm laughing now. It's, and I haven't even heard It's a it's a it's a very weird <laughs> genre of story that i'm about to tell you i don't know how to define it's not funny exactly but it's going to make you laugh maybe nervously (laughs) i it it does not take me it doesn't take much to make me laugh it really doesn't it i you could just stare at me from across the room and i just i just laugh because i just think everything is so freaking funny so who knows i may keel over with tears right as you should well first um i have a few small sort of mini anecdotes all right okay so first um we were going to see my uh my grandfather's tombstone and okay he died before I was born, so I have I have no memory of him. Um, but and I just realized that I have no memory of him is something people normally say when someone <laughs> dies when they're young, not before they were born. And um, I realized that was a, re- a little redundant for me to say. Uh, well, can well, Cannon, but... hot, hot dang, dude, I remember him. How do you not remember him? Jeez, Everyone, just... come on. Everybody knows. Everybody knows Papa. Come on. <laughs> So, this was my second time visiting the tombstone, but I had forgotten what it looks like. So, um, it has an engraving on the back that uh, it shows a picture of a man uh, in a little fisherman's boat pulling uh, in a large fish. Um, And there's a little poem that says, uh, I pray that I may live to fish until my dying day, and when it comes to my last cast, I then most humbly pray, when in the Lord's great landing net and peacefully asleep, that in his mercy I be judged big enough to keep. And so I just wanted to let you all know that my grandpa was such a fishing nerd <laughs> that um, that his tombstone his says tombstone. that on it. Um, um, I, you can also learn that, um, the area of Reno, Arkansas isn't just the best at punctuation because there are a few, uh, errors in there punctuation wise. Um, that's unfortunate. The, the second little tidbit was that, um, wait, hold on. I'm sorry. There's punctuation and grammar mistakes on his tombstone. Yeah. They're, they're minor. Uh, it's just some, like, comma splicing I don't care that they're stuff. minor. It's the fact that they are mistakes on his <laughs> tombstone. There's no correcting that. We'll see, AJ, if uh, if you think that that's bad. <laughs> oh, no. Um, so, one of my, one of my grandma's uh, friends that was part of my grandpa's family, he's mm-hmm. also buried in this cemetery, he and his father, um, and he's a junior, so he and his father share the same first name, um, and they're buried pretty close to one another in the same cemetery, 
and one of them's name is misspelled because they're not the same. <gasps> oh no. Um so I'm pretty sure uh that the name is is Cyril <coughs> C Y R I L but one of them mm-hmm. says Cyril and one of them says Kryl. Um so that's unfortunate. Oh Cuz that's just that's what? just the first name. Like that's way worse than yeah. grammar mistakes. Yeah, because that's that's it's not like oh that's a comma when it should be a period or oh right. that there there shouldn't be a tally mark. No, it's their name. Yeah, it's, it's the name that it's the most noticeable thing on the <laughs> right. tombstone. It's, it's and the main function and feature of a tombstone. <laughs> I could imagine like whoever's like 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 behind creating these, they just look at the mistake and they're like, "This is literally the one thing we did not want to happen." I um. I always think about the fact that uh, Elvis Presley's middle name is misspelled on his tombstone and the fact that a lot of people call into question whether he actually died because of that. Um, <laughs> and so now I would like to officially start the theory that my grandma's elderly friend faked his own death um, <laughs> because his name... And he just- <laughs> on the lamb out fishing somewhere because he just can't get enough but nobody would right that's right people kept trying to take him off the take him off the boat so he had to fake his death so he could stay there right of course um but the real story about the cemetery visit the one that i um oh that that that, that's not the that's not the good part no no that is not oh my goodness (laughs) those were just some side tidbits that i thought were worth mentioning I'm so nervous. Um, if this is the most bizarre thing I've ever seen in a cemetery. Um, okay. The, the story surrounding it is my dad wanted to show me this tombstone because when he was in high school, sometimes he would take friends um, and like, girls that he was you know flirting with or or, or dating in high school they would go to this Mm -hmm. cemetery and tell them Mm -hmm. like a scary story you know to try and freak them out right Mm -hmm. as you do on as you do as one does on dates right oh for sure um and the story always centered around the same tombstone that's in the cemetery so the tombstone, I'm trying to think of how to describe it. There's two children on it, um, oh, like okay. engraved into the the stone. And one of them is mm-hmm. embracing the other one. And they're, the left side of one of them is in direct contact with the right side of the other because the one is sort of hugging the other on the side. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Um, the tombstone itself says Johnny, and then it says uh, son of H.G. and uh, Laura Height, uh, mm-hmm. born August 27th, 1873, died November 5th, 1880. So that puts uh, Johnny at seven years old. Okay. The, well, that's sad. Yeah. No, it's very <clears throat> sad. The thing that causes the story... And the thing that is the most off-the-walls inscription 
I could possibly think of putting on a tombstone. For for a child. Is right below. Yes, this okay. is for a child. And I want you to think about like what's carved into the headstone and then just listen to what this says. Okay. One babe was laid in earth before he died. Another now slumbers by his side. <gasps> what? Oh, I don't like... Oh. Right? Oh, what is... Oh, what? I don't like that. I'm... Oh, I'm like surrounded by dark windows I can't see out of. Oh, I don't... Yeah, I just, is oh, that need, not oh. awful? That is so terrifying. I'm not gonna sleep no. tonight. Who... What? And right, like you're just not gonna elaborate on that at all. Just, <laughs> just gonna. Does that mean that there is not one but two little boys in this? That it certainly seems so. And here's the theory. Here's the theory that goes along with that. The thinking is that this was a pair of conjoined twins. Oh. And okay. it was the 1800s, and one of them died, and they didn't know what to do. Yep, and there's the nervous laughter. <laughs> Called it. Oh my, that's so unsettling. That yeah. Is so, but but the thought of it is kind of in in a very yeah sadistic no, it's way funny in the sense it's grotesquely amusing. I know, and because if the one kid dies, like I don't know, from some sort of uh-huh. uh huh. Uh, some sort of accident, some sure. sort of health issues that for some reason only affected one of the children and not the other that was attached. Right. Uh, or if he was killed and right. the other boy was like, is having to like... <laughs> right, like, what do you do? Just limp around his brother, just live next to his deceased, like, kin who he's, like, been with, like, literally by his side his entire life. And they go, what are we to do with my brother? <laughs> And they're like, no, son, what is it we are to do with you? <laughs> oh, no. I know, it's so messed up. It's so just, messed like, up. And like, standing above the hole. He's, like, standing over the grave, and they're like, is this where my brother is going to go? Yeah. Yes, it is where your brother is going to go. And you just, you just see, like, hands just push. And you just see this kid fall, and then... The screen fades to black. Cannon, what the heck? Yeah, no, exactly. It's like the closest thing I can think of is, I don't know if you've seen it, but The Ballad of Buster Scruggs on Netflix. Yes. It's exactly this, like almost every single mm-hmm. one is something like this. It's just so demented. You're just sitting there like almost <laughs> laughing at it. Like, what? <laughs> like, what just happened? Every single one you can... After the scene, because with the whole the whole point of Buster Scruggs on Netflix, I highly recommend everyone go watch it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's basically particularly like, <laughs> if you if you want to enjoy some good old like nihilistic dread. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> nothing matters. Life sucks, and then you die. You should. Everyone should watch that on a first date. If you want to be uncomfortable oh, on a first date, perfect. And leave going. I'm movie. never seeing them again. Is you watch that because. It's it's basically an old western segment of different stories uh, all pieced together. Yeah. And they're each like what 15 20 minutes long. Yeah, it just like depends that. on the story. And each one without failure 
makes you sit there and go, okay, uh, okay, that, okay. Every single one, yep. without a doubt. Hit or, no hit or miss on the dot, <laughs> terrifying. Yep. So this tombstone, akin, Ballad of Buster Scruggs. <laughs> I was just like... <laughs> what I first thought of... <clears throat> go ahead. I was just... I was looking at that, and my... my you know, my dad was like, yeah, trying to make out the inscription. I was, like, you know, looking at it, and it's it's pretty old. Again, we'll include a photo on Instagram, Yankee and Gravy on Instagram, shameless plug. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> shameless plug. <laughs> and um, you can just barely make it out. I don't know if you'll be able to read it on the photo or not, but when you oh, know what, what you it says, you can probably figure it, it okay. out. Um Okay. Yeah, here, oh actually. So your dad knew. So he was like, hey, take a look at that and try and read it. Yep. So so that means he was sitting in the car driving, and he knows <laughs> that you've never been, you, you haven't been here in a while, and, right. and you really don't know him, and you never paid attention to this grave because you were so young, and he's just like, he's of age. He better buckle <laughs> it's up. It's time. Because I'm about to... Ch- <laughs> I'm about to rock his world. Jeez. When you first read it, I thought that meant... Because read it again. Read it again real quick. Okay. It says, and I just sent you a picture, so uh, maybe it'll load shortly, and you can see how haunting this tombstone looks together. Oh, my goodness. The t- it, it even looks just terrifying. Right? Isn't it just, like, haunted? Because <laughs> I mean, it's that old Civil War, like... right type tombstone where it's just like that's definitely haunted 100 percent uh it says one babe was laid in earth before he died another now slumbers at his side okay that means that one boy maybe he had adhd or something and the parents just couldn't take it (laughs) and it was back then (laughs) they didn't know what to do so they just listen listen so so fast forward fast forward he's dead all right we don't need to talk about why because that's sad uh-huh. they put him in this grave because you know it's still their son but they just they just snapped but then they have another child same thing and they're just like well tombstones ain't cheap and we can't just dig all these graves because it's olden times and we're dropping left and right. Sure. Now, we've still got that one grave. We'd, I, if I can remember, we had some room. Why don't we just put him in that one? Sure. And then, bada bing, bada boom, two birds with one stone. Whew, two kids with one stone. <laughs> <laughs> But I was like, no, that's not PG for the episode. But then you went ahead and said it anyway. <laughs> ah! oh, <laughs> this is the most sadistic segment that I think we've ever had. Yeah. My mother is going to just approach me and be like, hey, AJ, <laughs> what the heck? Before you post. She may even... <laughs> She may even call you and be like, Cannon, what the what, heck? What, why are you like this? Why are you like this? I'll be like, listen. 
Oh my goodness. I couldn't not share that because what? No, I'm very glad you did because oh my goodness. I would have been upset actually if you had not put this on the podcast. I would have yeah. actually been upset. I'd be like, Cannon, you should have waited. But oh boy. But do well, you see based on the the like the yes. the carving why people mm-hmm. thought they might have been conjoined? I see, twins? yeah. Or maybe like it's that just could have been sort of twins. an artistic depiction of mm-hmm. of conjoined. Perhaps things. it looks like maybe it's a boy and a girl. Is it, is that supposed okay. to be like? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's hard. I don't know. The hair it could is, be it's, either. It's, it's like it's like asexual hair because right. like in that point of time, people uh, getting haircuts super expensive and not very common. So that's why they had beards, really long hair. So guys had really long hairs as. And they put it up. So I don't know if like this is just a, two boys or two girls or a boy and a girl. Because well, I, I think like and yeah, and and you know it looks like there's lace on on them, and one mm-hmm. of them has like shoulder cutouts. Scandalous. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I don't I don't know. You know maybe that was just the style. Maybe the fellas were were showing some shoulder. Just children grown up. Just. You've heard of the Revolutionary War. <laughs> now get ready for. <laughs> oh, we did it again. We're gonna have to beat that too. Yeah, that's that's, <laughs> that's all right. Fair. Speaking of beeps and my and my mother, she was like hounding on me not hounding like angrily but she was just insisting she really wanted to know what the last beep was from the last episode and i still remember what it was and i was just like i, I just i can't tell you that's <laughs> that's i just can't you'll be you'll be disappointed in me that's for me to know and you not to find out <laughs> but oh, so boy. instead I... it will always just be beep beep morgan freeman <laughs> beep 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 <laughs> I, I yep love it. I feel like every episode now we need to say just say something scandalous and just be <laughs> this and just her. drive everyone nuts. Like it's lost content, and then people like that can be our thing. Our Patreon, whenever we set that up, because we keep saying we're going to when we don't. Uh, right. If they subscribe to like a certain one, they get they get to know they get to know what it was. Ah, ingenious, yes. And that will be the um, $1,000 a month tier. Uh, <laughs> for uh... If you would like to pay for our college tuition, <laughs> you get to know the absolute dumbfounded buffoonery that we censor in this podcast. Yeah. It's not, we're not, okay, let the record show for our, we're not like cursing, there, no slurs are involved, we are... <laughs> It's, they're imagine, just really imagine like some poor patron like signs up and is like, oh, I can finally hear what funny little things they were saying, and then it's just like aggressively racist. <laughs> they open it up and it's just all slurs. Oh, wow, Gravy really ran with that southern persona. Huh? Yeah. He 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 really took the name he went Gravy hard to heart. on that. <laughs> Is that two cuts that we're gonna have to make in the same? <laughs> that's that's that that's like three cuts. Yep. Oh boy. What what would be on your tombstone if you had to write something? 
Ooh, that's a really good question. Let's see. I um I I did I do always like the idea of like a a poetic couplet um like that one that mm-hmm. that was on that but you know maybe a little bit less uh tragic but it all, also could be you know fun like um I saw one one time that said um when I was going out one day my head fell off and rolled away and I think that that would be uh, it would be good. It would inspire questions. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. Here's what like, I'd really like to go? do on my cipher on my on my tombstone. Um, I would like to leave some sort of cipher or riddle or something um, mm-hmm. for people to 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 crack. Um, maybe not make it obvious. Maybe include like a couple of misspellings or pieces of information that are wrong. Um, mm-hmm. and then those pieces of misinformation can be combined into some sort of, um, cipher that will lead them to a series you and of your clues puzzles that, uh, I, <laughs> I think that'd be a fun time. I think it would too, but I just think your whole world and life is just surrounded by national treasure and... <laughs> Oh, poems and and oh, solve this riddle and ooh, and I just as I'm, it I'm, should I think be. I'm I'm not mad. I think I'm just more jealous that my feeble mind can't comprehend all the puzzles that you. <laughs> they're just so complex and intricate, and they're very well done. And I just as what's what's the term? As a uh, a normie, uh-huh. or whatever the kid, whatever the kids say, I just some of them are just way over my head. I, I'm just like, how do you get from point A to point B here? Uh, and it's like, oh, well, you need to be a nuclear physicist to get here. Well, I'm not. Ho, ho, ho. All right. Well, I have, um, I have, I have one uh, little one right here that we can put out. And then maybe we can just say, like, I don't know. We can do something special for if one of our listeners manages to... Uh, figure it out to yeah to send one of us the answer um i'm just gonna censor it <laughs> i just I'm like, here we go here we go Beep. it was just all bleeped out it's like all right good luck all right go ahead okay so it's uh it's a word and a number the um the clue Five. is an oh, icy okay. cosmic vagabond the Eros counterpart, a Novadan, quote, party in which the plated pig is of the rather long variety, and what Kuma L from Bulgaria is, to name a few. The number is how many there were in the first historical depiction. Good luck. Hmm. Wait, is that the one that you gave me? Uh, I don't think so. I think it's a different one. I do, be- I do believe that you gave me a, a a riddle not too long ago, and I just got so busy I never sat down and tried Th- to figure it out. That's true. I'm 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 going to have to do that. Did uh, have you disclosed that to other members of our friend group, <gasps> and they've figured it out or attempted it? I don't it? think so. Oh, that is a good one that I sent you. I just scrolled up and looked back at mm-hmm. it. That's actually my favorite uh, riddle I've ever come up with. Maybe we can put that on podcasts at some point. Um, that would be a cool thing to do. 
that we yeah just every once in a while just like you know and just throw them out hey whoever yeah maybe give something to our listeners who figure it out excluding zach and charlie because they will (laughs) (laughs) oh uh yeah. Uh, Why? And, and Be- Trey, that goes for you too. So. Trey's the big puzzle solver. He'll get stuff very quickly. Oh, he does. He's abnormally quick. And Zach and Charlie, they're just like our best friends, and they yeah. just they just don't count. Yeah, because they're not our listeners. I'm just yeah. kidding. Zach, <laughs> not really. A- we <laughs> love you and your money that you give us, um, Charlie. <laughs> yeah, give us money to earn our love. <laughs> yes, they're not so much our followers as they are our religious <laughs> believers that's right they're, we they're are part of our, our cult that we've started uh the cult zach of... literally tithes to us from the <laughs> this from is the... true he, he 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 lends forth into our offering plate and <laughs> we keep saying zach we we don't put out the normal amount of content that we used to and he's just like i don't care you're going to take my money so that I can hang it over your head and bully you to make more episodes. And we were like, that's kind of blackmailing, but also it's money. So, like, what do we do? I don't know. This is this is fair. And um, on, you know, a similar note, Zach and Charlie and Trey, uh, all of you, just if you're listening to this, uh, do feel free to come by for a, a Kool-Aid party. We're going to have one of those uh in just a little bit. Free Kool-Aid for all of you. So Free Kool-Aid. Drink up. <laughs> okay. So you ready to get into the Dialov Pass incident? Yeah, I think I think we've uh we've we've stretched it out enough and kept them waiting long enough. That's fair. Okay. Here we go. <clears throat> The Dialov Pass incident is an unsolved mystery to the deaths of the nine ski oh, hikers in the uh-uh, northern Ural uh-uh, Mountains. No, 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 uh-uh, no, time out. No, uh-uh, no, we're not, we're not doing that. Uh-uh. You, you, don't want, I, you don't want me to go through the whole Wikipedia the article whole for story, Dialov Pass incident? The whole, uh-uh, first of all, I, uh-uh, no, because we're, we're doing the story together, and I'm not listening to your segments from the guy who's like, number one, Burger King foot lettuce. I, 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 I can't with that guy's voice. I can't. I, I, just, I know that he does it on purpose because it became a meme, and he was like, it's my trademark. I got to stick with it, and I respect that. But because he knows he's doing it on purpose, I have the right to say that it's the worst voice I it's just so obnoxious and I, I just can't follow. I just can't follow along. So uh-huh. No. Well, you know, I respectfully disagree, but but I'll cede to you for now, uh even though I think that his voice is the most lovely and soothing uh sound that that uh God's ever graced <laughs> the earth with personally, but Okay, uh-oh. we can have him on the podcast. He can yeah. be a guest star. <laughs> Special guest chills. Chills. <clears throat> All right. All right. Okay. Go on. So I think I think a good way to introduce this first is to give the very basic premise, which is that the Dyatlov Pass incident revolves around the disappearance and subsequent recovery of bodies of nine hikers 
who died under mysterious circumstances in the Ural Mountains. Mm-hmm. The, the, uh, the cast of characters included the group's leader, Igor Dyatlov, uh, Zenaida Komogorova, Dudmila Dubinina, Alexander Kolevatov, Rustim Slobodin, Yuri Krivonishenko, Yuri Doroshenko, Nikolai uh, Thibault Brignoles, uh, Semyon Zolotaryov, and Yuri Yudin, who, uh, well, you'll find out isn't as involved in the mystery itself. <clears throat> so it happened uh, early February, uh, like on the 2nd uh, of 1959. So, and yep. the biggest part that we everyone needs to know about this is that it happened during, uh, like, the peak of the Cold War. Like, this is where things were really starting to get heavy with experimentations and weaponry and just heads Indeed. budding and things. Things were, like, not looking good. The autumn uh, race is in high tensions in Mother Russia. Oh, 100%. And it happened uh, at a place uh, called the Otorten Mountain, uh, which is also referred and translated to the dead mountain which always a great with sign the name, always a great sign when something oh, it's the dead mountain that's yeah, a no, great that's, that's where i like to go pitch camp just in general oh like in to, the dead mountain let's head oh, on over to dead mountain oh 100 um, yeah now i did describe this group as uh as hikers and <clears throat> with that regard i mean like professional hikers i mean they they these guys knew what they were doing they had been on many expeditions before uh many of them together um, they won awards they like yes they, they, won they did awards and scholarships for it because right for some reason uh like skiing and hiking at that and this magnitude in russia it's it's big it's kind of like mm-hmm. our football like like people compete and it's yeah they were heavy they would intense. go for it so it's also so therefore it's important to know that these hikers are experienced they know what they're doing they've done hikes like this tens of times dozens of times with without ease yep um and additionally most were students or graduates of the ural polytechnical institute um now ural federal university so like these guys were smart many of them were engineers um I believe there was a one or two neuroscientists in the group. I mean, people who were in advanced fields of science and medicine, mm-hmm. um, and <clears throat> people who genuinely uh, were well regarded and um, mm-hmm. and generally just very competent people. Um, yeah, and just people whole, who knew like, them confirmed mm-hmm. this. Like well mannered, intelligent, just good mannered citizens like they were just they weren't the stereotypical partying college kids like you see in the movies right however they were russians and uh you can tell that in some of the anecdotes about their previous expeditions like um like one in which uh one of them was confronted by a bear and charged it (laughs) Oh, um, as Russians do, one hundred percent. As Russians do, and another uh, instance where I want to say it was Zenaida um, was accidentally shot, and uh, she was shot with like a hunting rifle, I think, 
um, and was cracking jokes to the rest of the group the whole time she was being carried by them to the hospital. Like, oh, I got shot. <laughs> like, yeah, well, like, imagine don't the get balls my blood the, on you. Yeah. <laughs> imagine the balls that you have to have to get shot. Right. And just crack. I feel like that, that has to be how I would be. Like, if I'm on duty and I get shot and I'm just like, oh. Oh, code, well, that's a bummer. Code red. Oh, code that's, red. that's a pain. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, so, so clearly, uh, I think, uh, Igor was the one who, who ran after the bear, so he's the group's leader. Zenaida is also a key player, she was the one who was shot. Um, so, I mean, these, these are, these are hardcore, they don't play around. Mm. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, when I, yeah, when I said that, uh, it started on February 2nd, that was when they departed on their hike. Uh... That was when they, they first set off to, to complete this mountain and back. And it was routine. They had actually set out um, a hiking schedule, and they had mapped out how long it would take them to reach the mountain. Uh, and they had uh, tracked the weather, how it would be, and how long it would take to get there and get back. And they even uh, worked around just in case if they had any sort of deadlines if the weather got worse than they expected. So they worked around that, and they prepared. Um because again, they've done this before dozens of times. It's it's not nothing new to them. Um, and so it was strange that when they started, uh, uh, of the ten that went, nine never came back. Uh, and I hmm. say nine never came back because uh, Yuri Yudin uh, was, I believe, he was suffering from some joint pain or some muscle ache, and he just realized with the excavation that was before him. A, like slight joint pain like this would act up and it would progressively get worse and he had to stop which is an absolute bummer because mm-hmm. he's been hiking with these guys for p- possibly years so right. he had to turn back and, and at that specific point uh, Yuri was the last to see all nine of them alive ever yeah and uh, you know this this is a good indication of the general um <clears throat> The, the pragmatic um, self-awareness and just general survival mindset of these hikers. You know, he was having arthritis pain, and even though he very much wanted to go on this expedition with the rest of them, and it was a big deal, they were going for their, like, Class three certifications, which I, it's a significant deal in the hiking community there. Uh, he still had the foresight, like, hey, this is probably going to be get worse uh yeah and and i should i should call this one off as much as i would like to go um, yep and and so it it does give a nice picture of just what exactly these these hikers are thinking you know they're like okay we need mm-hmm. to do this efficiently we need to do this safely we need to do it well mm-hmm. so um, uh oh, go ahead. oh yeah go ahead nope were you gonna were you gonna follow up Oh, I was just going to say, uh, they've been hiking for, uh, a little while at this point, uh, just from, like, town to town, um, hitching rides sometimes in, like, wagons and other mm-hmm. vehicles, um, because there were some sparsely populated areas toward the start of their proper hike, but, um, but then, yeah, in, in very early February, they, uh, they, they left, um, this last little uh, mini town or outpost or whatever it was 
and ventured into the great wilderness. Yep. So at that point, there's not really much to tell because from pretty much from when they were last seen to when they were first found, there's really nothing, nothing documented, which is kind of strange. And we'll get to that. Uh, so between February 2nd and February 26th, we have no concrete evidence. Well, we have some concrete evidence. We have no concrete 100% knowledge of what happened to them. Okay. Uh, but Canon, you and I, we have, we have some ideas. And they're very serious. <laughs> oh, yes, absolutely. So from the time they were last seen... Uh, which was February 2nd, to the time they were found, uh, which is February 26th. Like I said, we have no idea uh, what happened or any right. concrete, you know, what happened. But the first thing that they found was a tent that was Indeed. just all sorts of messed up for so many reasons. Yeah, just, just totally ripped apart. Um, there's just completely collapsed. Um not in good shape um mm-hmm. but um the inside of the tent was interesting specifically because it had a lot of hiking gear and equipment and clothing and food which are generally not things you uh, should leave you know um behind if you're trying to survive in the snowy wilderness mm-hmm so this was immediately not a good sign, and this was the first time that uh, recovery uh, people really thought, okay, there's something very wrong. Because um, mm-hmm. they, they assumed that the hikers might take longer getting back, and so a lot of these these people were hesitant to start a search party in the first place just because they thought, well, the hikers probably took a slightly longer route or got caught up somewhere. Mm-hmm. They're fine. They have plenty of food. They have survival skills, whatever. And that was this, common for, for them to take me on these hikes right, and run a, right. run a day or two late and just because, oh, because this and this happened, so they didn't think anything of it. Right. Um, in fact, it actually took the, uh, the parents of the hikers, because, mind you, these are college students, uh, so you mm-hmm. know, a lot of their parents were around and involved in their lives, saying to like the school and local authorities, hey, you know, maybe you should look for them or something. I don't know. Um, maybe, yeah, maybe you should look for them. I don't know. I don't think they're know, blowing off thought. steam. We should maybe, maybe look for some of these guys. <laughs> um, something that uh, is also of note, they did do some pretty good police work, and they took the tent in, and they hung up the, the tent looked at its fabric samples and then there's a fun little anecdote um and there's no way to verify this uh with 100% certainty but uh it it's reported that it was hanging up and they were trying to figure out who might have uh who or what might have cut open this tent that was absolutely you know shredded and uh a, uh, I believe it was an aide that was working in the group. She walked in and saw the fabrics hanging up on the wall and saw like what they were theorizing that a bear might have come in and slashed up in the tent or, you mm-hmm. know, an angry uh, 
uh, native might have slashed it open or something like that. And the woman walks over and is like, what are you talking about? No, look at the fibers. That tent was slashed open from mm-hmm. the inside. Which people would be like, how can you tell that? Well, uh, just like looking at forensics, you can obviously tell, like, like say a, like a blood spatter. Like you can tell which way mm-hmm. said victim was sliced because of the angle the blood had spattered. Uh, same thing with like stab what? wounds uh, in like the upper torso and shirts. You can tell which angle it came at. Uh, whether it came from down up sure. or up down and so forth. So it's no different from, say, tents, because if it was torn from the outside, you would have noticed. So, like, I'm not going to bore you with fu- my tent fabric details, but let the record show. <laughs> I think that this is now a tent fabric analysis podcast. The Yankee and Gravy podcast is now transitioning to microfibers. Join us. We'll call it we Intense. It... <laughs> Thank you. We'll be here all week. No, I, no, no, we won't. I'm gonna. <laughs> uh, I'm not looking forward to hearing that joke again <laughs> as I edit this. <laughs> uh, what are you talking right, about? That was the peak of comedy. I don't know about that. So anyway, so yes, the the tent was proven to be ripped open from the inside, which was interesting. Well, it was also interesting, uh, um, as they kind of looked around, they noticed tracks, uh, like from which the campers and the hikers had probably fled. And I say fled because these were not normal footsteps, as you would see in the snow. They were um, scooted, not scooted, they were observed in such a way that where they were not steps they were shuffles um and um observers and investigators on scene uh described them to be uh hasty uh, and almost like fast-paced shuffles that you would get in the snow um it could also be trudging again i feel that's something that would be hard to differentiate i was not there but nevertheless uh it was also observed that they were barefoot the, the very slight footprints that could be made out apart from the shuffling of the snow, they were toes and feet. Yes, and um, it was worth noting that the footprints were quite evident, specifically because uh, there was a lot of wind in the area, and so they were actually inverted footprints. Um, what you'd get is a footfall would happen, the foot would press down on the snow and compress it, and then the loose snow around it would get blown away, just leaving the raised area where the foot was. So mm-hmm. it was actually easier to see them than it might have been had they just been indentations. Um, and so they found the footprints pretty easily, and they paired them to eight or nine people. So, you know, there were only nine in the group at this point. Uh, mm-hmm. So it seems that, that everyone was likely accounted for um as uh as you already said though most of them weren't wearing shoes some of them weren't even wearing socks uh you could even see toe prints in some of them um Mm -hmm. which is very odd because you know again the shoes the clothes the food 
it's all right there in the tent. I mean, within reach. Mm-hmm. So, what caused these hikers to slash their way out of a tent, get outside, and then trudge down the mountain? Um, you could tell that they weren't running, just because the uh, if in running patterns, the the front part of the foot is significantly like more impacted than the back because you're you have the forward momentum and stuff. Um, yeah, that's true. That wasn't the case here. So they weren't, you know, you would expect if something was so awful that it caused them to slash out and then run without, you know, even taking the time to get their shoes and socks uh, and coats and food, you would think that they would be hightailing it out of there. But that's not the case. It doesn't seem like that's what they were doing at all. Very bizarre. Pretty bizarre. So uh, they realized... uh you know, where, where you? How else do you start looking for missing hikers when you find footprints? Is you follow said footprints. So sure. uh, about a mile away from that abnormally small tent that they found, uh, which we'll get back to that, they found uh, towards the base of the tree line. Uh, they found two bodies. Um, and they noticed uh, after observing that they were only in their underwear next to a small fire that had gone out. Um, like we had touched on with the footprints, they had no footwear, no socks, mm-hmm. and their hands and bottoms of their feet were uh, ha- had signs of severe, possibly third, maybe even fourth degree burns, uh, which tells me that because of their hasty exit, they didn't bring along any clothes with them, and they were so desperate to keep warm that they built this fire and practically hugged it, which, why, I mean, if you're cold, you'll do almost anything to keep warm. Sure. Yeah, it's 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 very interesting, and you know they're right next to a uh, a cedar tree with uh, branches broken off of it uh, up to a height of I think around five meters, so like fifteen feet in the air. Um, these these branches were were broken off, and it appeared that maybe someone was climbing the tree. Um, it doesn't seem like the branches were snapped off just for the fire, because the the wood in the fire actually didn't belong to the cedar tree, um, which is is a detail that I think a lot of people overlook, and they assume that the the snapped branches were for the fire, not for the fire. Um, it appears that the branches snapped while someone was trying to climb the tree. Now, whether they were climbing the tree to get a better vantage point, to see something, uh, to get to something, or to get away from something is the big unknown there. Yes, uh, I I don't know what your research indicated, but I found something that said that there were markings uh, almost resembling the, like, claws and scratching on the tree. Um, oh, okay. I, I kind of uh, was. I kind of took that with a grain of salt, because sure. if that if that were true, was it from an animal, or was it simply from, you know, said hikers trying to climb the tree, and you know, sure, climbing trees is not always easy from the get go. Right. Uh, I do think that they found little bits of skin on the tree, which further supports the fact that it was being climbed. Um, so they realized uh, this the, uh, this is two of the nine, so we're still missing seven. Uh, they backtracked uh, towards where they were 
between that tree line and the camp, and they realized that they had overlooked three other bodies. Yeah, so, you know, the first two they find, they're like, okay, this is weird. You know, they're in their underwear, no shoes, um, with burns on them. This doesn't seem to be a great look, um, but, you know, maybe the others have survived. And then things go from bad to worse with the discovery of this next set of three bodies. Um, One thing that is worth noting on the first two that were found is that they were found to have been moved post-mortem. That's based on the autopsy. Uh, The way the blood had congealed was in conflict with the way the bodies were found. So after their blood had already stopped moving, they were turned over. Um, We'll probably get into why this may be the case in our theories, but... um, the same was true for, I believe, one of the three, maybe two of the three hikers that they found on their way back up to the tent. Um, actually, their movement mirrors the movement of the hikers because the way the hikers' bodies were positioned, it looks like those hikers also were trying to get back to the tent, which begs the question, if the tent is this safe haven or this, this place you're trying to reach, why leave in the first place? So all so so far, we have found five bodies, including their poor leader, uh, your, uh, Igor Dyatlov. Um, and the autopsies showed uh, cause of death. Um, these specific five uh, were they succumbed to hypothermia. That was their cause of death. Right. Um, as for the other four, now, we'll yes, I did want to interject. Um, that one of the three on their way up to the tent did have the first sign of physical trauma that was found. There was a really? very small uh, skull fracture, um, but they didn't think it was the cause of death, and they're not even sure if it happened before he died. It might have just been like a wild animal that you know kicked him or something. Um, so they're, they're, mm-hmm. it's very small. They don't think it would have been enough to kill him. Might have been enough to disorient him. Um, it looks like I think it was described Possibly. as the equivalent of an injury you might see with someone who got hit with a police baton, something like that. Um, Ooh, yeah, yeah. Fun. so just a, a small skull fracture that probably was not the cause of death. Ooh. Now you're probably wondering, all right, of the ten, one left, so we have nine, and we have found five. So where are the other four? That is exactly what all of the Russian officials were wondering. And they actually didn't find the other four bodies until May 4th. Yep. Under upwards of 200, almost 300 feet uh, inside the forest from where the other two bodies were found first. Yeah. Uh, under thir- under like tens of feet, of almost 13 feet of snow. Yeah. But near a shallow ravine. And... The, the way that the reason it took them so long to find these bodies was because there was even more snow to start with. Um, and in May, some of that started to melt off, and then eventually it was thin enough that the dogs were able to smell through the snow and find the bodies. Yeah. Now, 
the first thing that we'll touch on with these four bodies is that they had clothes. Not all of them were properly dressed. Yeah. Some of them had more or less than others, but they had clothes. Some of them had shoes. Some of them had a shoe. <laughs> some of them had multiple coats. Some of them had no coat but multiple pants. Some of them yes. just... The clothing that they were wearing clearly did not uh, belong to them. And if they did belong to them, they had extra, mm -hmm. which is theorized that they actually took the clothes uh, off of the three bodies that we found from the tent, between the tent and the two bodies that were found first. Right. Based on their positioning, that was one of our theories. I figure we can touch on that now because it fits so well. Right. The theory is that they took the clothes off of those three because they needed I, them. I think that's a fair assumption dead. to make. I think that makes sense. Based on their uh, the realization that they were moved post-mortem, it's not necessarily that they were killed and moved, but perhaps they were already dead right. and was were not in need of their clothes. Right. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> and if you're in a survival situation like that, it, it definitely makes sense that oh, these guys are dead, and we're, for whatever reason, in a complete state of undress. Let's put on some of these clothes um, and try to mm -hmm. keep ourselves alive for a little bit longer. Uh, some of the clothes... Because anything yeah, helps. Yeah, right, anything helps. Some of the clothes weren't even being used in the way they were intended. Like, I believe I believe the, the girl who was found by the ravine... Uh, I want to say that was Zenaida, but I'm not entirely sure of that. I think she had, like, uh, a shirt or maybe some pants, uh, like, wrapped around her feet instead of shoes. Um, so clearly she hadn't brought shoes, but I tried to put something on her feet uh, because she, it seems, probably went out barefoot. Uh, now we'll we'll just jump right into uh, the strangest thing about these four is not necessarily their clothes. Uh, it's the lethal bone fracture injuries associated uh, with what they yes, found in the autopsy. Tell. And we say lethal bone fractures in terms of uh, injuries that I have seen uh, in car crashes. Uh, and people who have fallen out of buildings and windows, uh, but yes. th there's no <laughs> way that like, like these injuries could not be inflicted by a human. It would have to be some sort of natural freak accident or disaster that would cause right. these things. Uh, and one of them, I don't know if it was, I think it was the man, one of the men, or maybe it was the girl. She, uh, they had uh, a fractured skull, and. Many of them, if not all, had crushed ribs. Yes. Um, it's, yes, as as you were saying, this type of injury, according to the medical examiner, um, is not consistent with anything that a human being could inflict. It said that it, it was far past uh, any type of force a human could inflict, but what was even more bizarre about the injuries is that they didn't have matching exterior injuries. As in, mm -hmm. the bones and organs were damaged, but the skin wasn't bruised. I'll just put this little theory in here real quick. Many people who have studied this case have thought 
Well, what about that tree with the broken limbs? Perhaps there was obviously no one in the tree up top found. So perhaps mm -hmm. maybe one or maybe they all fell out of the tree. Well, if that was the case, sure. I could believe that if you fell the right way, like if you just fell hard and fast, yeah, I would believe that you could go into the ER with some rib pro some rib issues, some cracked ribs or sure. some fractured ribs. But like we said, a cracked skull, again, that's so very unlikely. At only 18 feet, 13 feet around there, between 13 mm -hmm. and 18 feet, that's still, you would have to like really fall the correct right. way. And if that would be the case, if you did do that, there's no way that you could walk <laughs> with a fractured skull. You, I don't, yeah, if be, you can walk with a fractured difficult. skull, bully to you. <laughs> Because I couldn't. Yeah. And also, in absolutely none of those cases are you not going to see any exterior evidence of those injuries happening. Like if someone falls and they they crack their ribs, the one of the first things you'll see is that, mm -hmm. that wasn't the case for these bodies. Now, oh, for sure. So, speaking of uh, exterior injuries... Uh, I guess this can be classified as interior almost. Uh, the women, the woman specifically, is a very yes. interesting case. Because she had crushed ribs and her eyes were missing. Oh, yeah. Uh, most, of her, most of her tongue and parts yep. of her lips. Now, it was immediately assumed that this was because of the, de the decomposition process that the body takes. Because she was found face down in mm -hmm. the running ravine underneath all that snow and she had been dead for almost right. three months uh, uh a little a little less than two almost three a little more than two almost three uh so that could possibly be the case but we'll, we'll, we'll sure. get back to that um yeah so you know part of the tongue missing the eyes missing pieces of lip missing um all all things that are unusual um and this is stuff that they found after you know bringing the that they discovered on the scene eventually they brought the bodies back they found that these bodies did not die of hypothermia um at least three of them i think definitively not hypothermia um they they seemed to have died of their injuries but um that brings you know, back to the question, what caused these injuries that were equivalent to a car crash, according to the medical examiner, who ultimately dubbed the cause of death, and I quote, an unknown compelling force, which is the most bizarre cause of death I've ever it's heard. so weird. <laughs> unknown compelling force, yeah. And I've had an unknown compelling force strike me in the face before. They are uh -huh. called fists, but I didn't call them compelling forces. I, I called them fists. <laughs> Indeed. Now, here are yeah, so here are some things to consider. I'm going to run through these real quick and we'll talk about them and then we'll get sure. into our theories. Something had caused these campers to flee the scene in such a hurry, leaving so quickly that they may have found the need to rip the tent from the inside to escape quicker along with using the actual mm -hmm. entrance. Uh, also leaving so quickly they didn't even have time to dress properly for the weather or bring right. any of their except gear. for their cameras. Also, uh, except? That is something that I did want to point out. They brought yes, their cameras? Yes, the one thing they took the time to grab 
for some reason, were there cameras? I didn't find anything about them finding any cameras near the bodies. Oh, and you want to know why you didn't, AJ? Because oh, they lost the film. Oh, boy, ladies and gentlemen, here is why I get so revved up about this. <laughs> why I get so revved up. The film was about, reported oh. as being found at the crime scene, but then what, or not crime scene, at the, the scene, you know, but that by some of the accounts, but then when they go back and they tally up the evidence in the evidence room or whatever, it's not there. Oh, oh boy. I, I, I'm, I can't believe I didn't get riled up before we start, but I'm, I'm, my blood's boiling. <laughs> it's so stupid. It's so, it's so, it's so a cover up. We'll, we'll get to that. And, and other things to consider is why, I, I'm just curious as to why the tent they brought was so small. And it's just something that's always mm -hmm. stuck with me is why the tent was so small. For nine people and all their gear and no no one was sleeping outside unless uh, unless it was simply hey it's warmer if we cuddle up i'm, I'm sure, sure they did that i'm sure that maybe that's the reason that i'm just overthinking that yes now, oh, and the four body speaking of Go ahead. oh sorry to interrupt i just want to say speaking of of warmth something that we did uh neglect to mention is that the the tent was uh like set up in the way you would expect it to be set up so like they had packed snow around the tent as a wind block and done the standard things that you would do when mm -hmm. setting up a tent. Uh, they were off course by, uh, I don't know, a mile or so uh, up the mountain. They were trying to go you know, around the outskirts and ended up on top of it, but they still made the best of the situation by making themselves a windshield uh, out of snow and um, by properly erecting the tent. Yep. Also, uh, uh, well, how we said the four bodies were found uh, wearing clothes that they most likely took off of the previous three, which most likely means to me that all of them were separated. Sure. And obviously, these three were together, these four were together, and these two were together. But they were all mm -hmm. separated, and I obviously don't think they died at the same time. Because I right. think those first three died first, and those other four escaped death somehow, and was able to okay. somehow make their way back to find these clothes before dying themselves. It's just so interesting how everyone seemed to die slightly different ways and in different times. Right. But it's yeah, that's something to consider. Uh, and here's another thing that I'm going to throw out there: is that. Go for it. It was reported that radio waves and, uh, wow, well, wow, why am I blanking on the word? Two articles of clothing waves. were found to be radioactive. Thank you. Wow. Oh my gosh. I can't believe I was blanking. And I think you, you researched the same documentary that I researched because it was weird that they found radioactivity on the clothing. And second... Why did they look for it in the first place? Right. Yeah. Why were you, Why were you searching for for radioactivity? Um, <laughs> that's That's an interesting mm -hmm. uh, thing to look for. Very um, interesting. Seems kind of random, but okay, sure. Whip out your Geiger <laughs> counter. Um, yeah, it was interesting also that uh, the the radiation was not found on the bodies. Uh, no radiation in the bodies, but it was on the articles of clothing. Um, yes. 
and that was on, I believe, two different articles of clothing. So, did we perchance miss anything or forget to add anything before we get onto the theory? One of my favorite tidbits um, is that the helicopter pilot, when uh, I actually have two little tidbits, and these are more story based about like people, but I think that it, it helps paint a picture. The, the helicopter pilot who was tasked with lifting the bodies out um, and taking them back to the autopsy refused to let, uh, refused to carry the bodies, just point blank, even though that was his job and what he was tasked to do. And, you know, you generally don't say no to the Russian government. Um, he, he was just like, no, I will not until you get me zinc lined coffins. Um, huh. Yeah. Uh, zinc was believed to be uh, uh, an anti-biohazard measure. Um, so it was supposed to prevent disease and stuff from spreading. Mm. So oh, okay. It seems like maybe the helicopter pilot thought that they had been exposed to some sort of contagion um, mm-hmm. that which, he didn't want to risk getting. Which, why would he assume that? Yeah, which, it seems like a weird thing think... to jump to. Yeah, it, it, people, people may jump to, oh, they're dead bodies. He's a germaphobe. He doesn't want to get all, like, from whatever they... And I get it, but however, it was very... It's very sketchy right. that he Particularly asked because for that specific thing. He's a Russian military pilot. Like, this is his job. <laughs> this is yes. this is what he does. Um, <laughs> and What do I pay you for? This. This is what uh, you pay me for. And I'm saying I have new obligations. Another thing that's worth uh, noting, potentially, um, there are some accounts, uh, though not all of them, that report that the bodies uh, turned, once they were exposed to oxygen, they turned an orangey-brown color um, after a while, and that was hmm. that was sort of conflicting. but. That can be a sign of, uh, I believe, phosphorus poisoning. Um, so that's just something else that might be worth noting. But again, there's some conflicting accounts in that regard, so we can't be sure. Yes. Oh, we also have their diaries oh. to uh, We do, yes. To but, mention. But their diaries, I believe, I can't remember if they said anything particularly about, like that would make you go, huh. Well, one of the things that I think is worth noting is the lack of huh in the diaries. Is that yes. everything appeared to be perfectly fine and dandy up until the night that they uh, left their tent. I for, which was because I feel like that was that was when we were able to pinpoint when exactly. Yeah, I think I think February second was believed to be the date that they left their tent. I think. Oh, I thought that was the day that they. Uh, that they their hike. left the place. I don't. I don't think. See again, ladies Let's and gentlemen. See. That's that's just why that this. Right, there uh, are conspiracy conflicting accounts theory. of everything. Uh, every everything country, and I think that Russia did a great job at that, making sure that none of the facts <laughs> were right, and that, that everything was bamboozled. They did. They did a heck of a job. Uh. Something that I did just find out actually fairly recently, it was, I, I didn't know this. I had 
previously listened to multiple different podcasts and read multiple different sources about the thing. But this little tidbit I didn't learn. Um, one of the accounts that's in the official Russian uh, like government account of the incident, it records... It has the 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 discovery that um, that the government like lists the uh, date of death, um, the time when that account was supposedly put down was like two weeks before the investigation started. Um, what? So in at least one log. If if the log is correct, that means that the government recorded their deaths two weeks before the bodies were found. Huh. Um, which they did. They, they interesting. <laughs> they, they could even cover up their own crap. Oh my gosh, Russia is bad. Um, Win an Olympic, jeez. So yeah, that was that was a, a fun little tidbit. I was like, come on, yeah. guys. <laughs> Alright, theory time. Now, we can immediately rule out... Uh, I, I'm gonna... I'm gonna we're, we'll go through theories, and we'll pretty much... Uh, that, uh, that other people have debunked, and we'll debunk them ourselves. Yes. Someone uh, thought that maybe they were robbed. Nothing was taken, and no other tracks were seen other than the, the hastily trail from the hikers. Yes. And also just no one else was reported in that area. But then again, if anyone else was there, it's not like they could live to tell the tale. This is true. Uh, it was not a wild animal attack because there were no animal footprints found in the area. Sure. Uh, and you would find them because we've still found their footprints. Right. Um, and the hikers had no injuries that would indicate an animal attack. Uh, and people argued, well, what about the woman? Her eyes were missing and her face was eaten. Well, we don't know that it was eaten. Mm -hmm. uh, and if it was an animal... Why was she the only one who had those specific injuries? Right. Circling back to what you're saying about the, the lack of theft, they this wasn't for lack of valuables. They did actually have some money and some uh, valuables, I think potentially jewelry, that was in the tent. But it was found in the tent undisturbed. So why like, would you bring there was something there for you, the taking, and it wasn't why would taken. You bring, why would you bring jewelry? Yeah, that is a good <laughs> question. Like, that is, does seem like a weird flex. It, it's Russia. They, they just... <laughs> Oh, the whole that whole gotta, country's gotta keep styling and profiling. Oh yeah, <laughs> give me some theories. Okay, um, so I'm going to start with giving what isn't my theory, but what is the most recent theory that is distributed, and uh, it's it's popularized by recent investigations. The case was recently reopened and was subsequently closed. Um, and the official theory and purported cause of death for the hikers was that an avalanche occurred, causing them to leave their tent. Mm -mm. They then subsequently mm -mm. died as a result of hypothermia. Mm -mm. Um, no. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> the pieces of evidence, of course, that this fails to account for is the bizarre behavior Everything. following uh, the leaving of the tent. Uh, why did they, you know, um, for 
egg sample, like start to climb a tree randomly and then come back down and then two of them make a fire and then three of them go back up to the tent after leaving all of their stuff in there and then uh, four more of them continue on. Um, it also doesn't account for the cause of any of the injuries of the last four bodies. Uh, and and an avalanche was rolled out because basically, like, there was snow on the side of the tent. I don't think we ever mentioned that. There was there was a slight buildup of snow, and it's assumed that that was just snowdrift from the wind because there was a lot of wind in that area. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they thought maybe the campers fled when they uh, uh, they heard the avalanche, uh, like the rumbling. But the there was no like heavy amount like of snow Mm -hmm. in areas that would be like, oh, an avalanche happened because, look, you can't even see these trees. If there was an avalanche, we wouldn't be able to see the tent. And we definitely wouldn't be able to see the bodies right away, especially the two that were found first. Yeah, there's certainly usually much more evidence, physical evidence of an avalanche. Yeah. And on uh, topography records of the area indicated that there was no avalanche or earthquake reported anywhere near that area. Mm -hmm. Unless it was documented that way. By the Soviet Union, uh-huh. those communist bastards. I'm I'm just so done with their. Oh, there's an avalanche. We have a lot of snow. Just have a drink. Forget about it. Yeah. I'm done. I'm so so done. Another thing that's worth noting is, uh, you know, where one of the safest places, if there's going to be an avalanche, to be is. The top the of top. a mountain. <laughs> because that's <laughs> literally were, the one were, place where the avalanche yes. can't go. And they were experienced hikers. In this sort of, like, geographical like, region, they're, they're used to hiking in snow. and mount- They would know that. They've trained for that. Yep. They've, oh my goodness. And if there was an earthquake, you would bring a lot more stuff. Just in case. Sure. Not just your cameras. Yeah. Because you definitely wouldn't do... Oh, avalanche, click, click. The, like, I think the avalanche theory, I think the most infuriating thing about it is that it, it gives the hikers absolutely no credit. Um, uh-huh. like, it kind of spits, it spits in the Right, it the, really like, does. It's a, it's a little like, annoying to me. Because these were like smart these people. Amateur... <laughs> yes. And they've, like, they've won awards. Right. They, they, they've, they're literally... Like this whole, they're they're in the specific section of university <laughs> where they just they dedicate their education and their lives of that part of their college career. Yeah, this wasn't doing amateur this. hour. <laughs> no. So, I know I've also read that there were Soviet military rumors of Soviet military testings nearby. Yes. Um, and I mean that would. That that honestly caught my eye because mm-hmm. this is the height of the Cold War, sure. where cover-ups were unveiled and testing was discovered of just these, of just new radioactive nuclear weaponry right. just to out outdo the other, and of course, right. we know how that ended. But there was all sorts of testing, like an experimentation done because we never really knew how the Cold War was going to end or continue to commence, right? And each side said, all right, well, we'll just make weirder, more deadly, more weapons than you. And the other side went, no, no, yes, we're going to do that, and so forth. So it's not unlikely that there was rumors of military testing. And I mean, in a place called Dead Mountain, 
And it's only called that because uh, no flowers and like nothing like nothing except trees grow there. And even then, it's uh huh yeah. So I mean, in a de- in a deserted area like that, I could see that. But again, they're rumors, and even to conspiracy theories, unless they have some sort of like slight proof, I pretty much dismiss it. Sure. But but the fact that it's at the peak of the Cold War and it's freaking Russia, I haven't one hundred percent put it behind me. I gotcha. Um there's also the, the fact that radioactivity. That was some I know that's something it, it didn't kill them. It was only found in the clothes, but like it was weird that they turned uh, the discoloration of some of their eyes. Uh, their eyes, uh, skin. I believe that's what it was. Their skin, yes. Um, now, mind you, this this again, was the testimony of of a twelve year old. Um, so do with that information what you will. Oh well, I but mean, he did attend 12. five of the hikers' funerals. Why? Uh, he I I don't know if it's just because he had an interest in the case. He eventually became the head of the Dyatlov Foundation. Um, <laughs> Young Vladimir Putin. I think continually investigates <laughs> the case. Um, but, um, or, okay. or, you know, maybe it's just like a, a fundraising thing that gives out scholarships or something. I don't know. Um, but, but he did go to five of their funerals and recalled that their skin had a, quote, deep brown tan. Um yeah. Well, honestly, that could just be decay from the sun. I mean, yeah, I'll take that grain grain of salt. Sure. No, that's fair. Um, Other thing, um, a group of hikers reported strange orange spheres in the sky uh, on the night of the incident. Um, And um, multiple other groups independently also came forward and said that they saw these orange spheres. Mm, um, well, here's the thing. If one group reports it, okay. A group reported it. But sure. in this day and age especially, it's right. it, it's very hard to, to know if another person comes out and goes, oh yeah, I saw that too. Because and, how many like right. sex scandals and misconduct scandals have we seen in politics and uh just like pop 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 fiction and Uh just where people will say something just to get attention well i would i would be inclined to think that too except they did not publicly release the information about those sightings so after the first people mentioned it and the later people also came forward the first sighting hadn't been released in papers or or public documents. So mm-hmm. it was not publicly known that this person had come forward and talked uh, that this group had come forward and talked about those sightings. Um and it's also worth noting that one of the groups that reported them were some of the local Monsi people, the the natives in the area who really would have had no reason to collaborate with these other random people and make up a story about orange things in the sky oh for sure that was another thing uh people theorized well it was the monty people perhaps they attacked them but the monty people are not really known for just coming up and right attacking hikers that's not really what they do they're just native russian 
tribes people. Right. Just and this, pretty much this like group, your, yeah. And this group specifically was staying with them for a while before they went out on their last leg of the hike. Uh, they were in for a good while, a little, you know, Monsi uh, cluster. And, yeah, the, the Monsi aren't generally violent, so um, it, it seems generally unlikely that, that they would be involved. And what's yeah. more, the... You know, the the reports of death also said that this could not have been inflicted by a human. Um, I don't know if you looked into this theory, but I thought that it was something that was interesting. But I, I I'm I'm kind of, I don't I I didn't do too much research into it because mm. I just I didn't see it being I didn't see it being impossible. Okay. But the infras the infrasound theory. Yes, I am. Which, I am going to talk about that one actually. All right, then I'll let you talk about that one. Um, sure. Someone talked about partying gone wrong, uh, which, yeah, it's Russia. <laughs> you party hard, and they're college students. But you ever, like we talked you about ever party so hard that you walk down the side of a mountain barefoot in and, the snow? And, and die. Uh, and, and just, like, you know, just party so hard. Maybe they're just, they're dancing, they're going at it, you know, just dancing so hard. That, Perhaps. that suddenly their bones just imploded. <laughs> oh my goodness, yeah. Uh, but like we talked about earlier, all these hikers were known by their classmates and professors at the school to be of good moral character. Mm-hmm. They had no history of alcohol or drug abuse, and they only brought uh, a little bit of alcohol, and that alcohol was purposefully in a first aid kit. And sure. it was proven to be unopened, and like it wasn't used at all. Yeah, they 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 weren't exactly getting blackout drunk each night. No, I'll talk about one more theory, and then Go I'll, for it. I'll let you I'll let you do the infrasound theory, because you're a little more technical, scientific when it comes to that thing. <laughs> now this was paradoxical undressing. Okay. Now, that's a thing. Mm-hmm. I sleepwalk. We yes. talked about that. That's something that we'll definitely talk about on the podcast because i think i have a great sleepwalking story i think i may have told you you but may have not (coughs) oh excuse me (coughs) now paradoxical undressing so it's basically where disoriented hypothermian victims like remove their clothes because their bodies feel like they're burning (coughs) now this is something that like has happened it's been recorded in like medical documents and like people have had it in the past and where they just rip off their clothes because it's like, oh, I'm burning alive, when really it's quite the opposite. Um, because we all know what, like, freezer burn is, where something is so cold that it burns you. That's kind of what the sensation feels like. But it's all right. in your head. So right. that is something that doesn't really indicate, like, why they all died, but why many of them could have been, you know, without sure. clothes. why they could have been um, not clothed. But I dismissed that because four of them that were found at the end had clothes. The three mm-hmm. that were uh, that had their clothes taken away from them mm-hmm. had their clothes taken away from them, indicating that they were wearing sure. clothes. And the right. two that were found first were naked, but their feet and hands were burnt, meaning that they were cold and they were wanting to be warm. It's not like they were dying right. of that; they were just wandering around trying to, right. you know refresh they were they were freezing 
Yeah, it uh, definitely seems more likely that they were so cold that they were like that they couldn't feel their limbs and were putting them in the fire to try to warm up, not realizing they were burning themselves. Yep. I um I I also think it's worth noting that paradoxical undressing only happens in like a fourth of hypothermia cases. So yeah, it's, it's super, not it's, fair it's still to rare. Do, give this as a broad stroke explanation for all yep. of the circumstances of the hikers because that doesn't happen that often. Mm-mm. It happens, but not as often as one would think. I get it. People, you don't want to just dismiss everything right off the bat when it comes to these sorts of situations, but I feel like we can, we can exclude yeah. that. I think that's fair. All right. So tell me about the infrasound theory. So, infrasound, uh, this was one of the theories that was posited by, I believe, the author of Dead Mountain, um, which was a book that covered the Dyatlov Pass incident. It had an interview with um, Yuri Yudin, the guy who turned back, because he just died not that Mm -hmm. long ago. I think it was, like, 2014 uh, when he died. And it had an interview with him, which, side note, it was kind of funny. There's a line when he, uh, when the author of the book first arrived to interview Yuri, uh, the first thing Yuri said to him was, "What? Did you run out of mysteries in America?" Uh, <laughs> I'm like, what a baller! Right, absolute he's mad just, He just, he just straight up, my friends are dead. Can you tell me why? <laughs> why don't you go JFK assassination or something? Um, <laughs> But jeez, how I told you about the the one with the two with the two boys and the gravestone? Hmm. Solve that <laughs> uh-huh. one before you come looking at me. Riddle me this, Batman. <laughs> um, but his um his book is interesting, and in it he posits the uh, he 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 tells that his preferred theory, um, and the one that he thinks is the most likely is the result of infrasound from wind channeling through mountains. So the basic premise of infrasound, um, infrasound, just like infrared, infra means uh, below, um, like infrastructure, you know, same prefix, uh, mm-hmm. like below or within, right? Yeah. And so um, infrasound is sound that is below the frequency that we can hear audibly as humans. Um, but it still has effects on our brains. So infrasound can cause things like nausea, paranoia, anxiety, etc. Um, it's one of the things that is used sometimes in anti-windmill um, argument because windmills are known to sometimes create infrasound. Interesting. The the biggest issue, I think, with this theory is that it doesn't explain the injuries. It, it explains why they might have left their tent and acted erratically, but it doesn't explain the injuries themselves on the last four victims, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's the biggest thing that it doesn't account for, and it's the reason that I don't adopt that as my theory. However, I do adopt a variation of it. Okay. Um, the other thing that I have a problem with in the infrasound theory 
is that it hasn't actually ever been demonstrated that wind through mountains can create infrasound. We don't actually know if that's true. Um, huh. And that's one of the things that the theory relies upon. So for my genuine theory and what I think is a plausible explanation for what happened is that the Soviet Union was in fact testing uh, sonic weaponry in the area at the time that the hikers died. Cannon, get out of my freaking head. You're joking. Is that your That's theory? Your... You're... Gosh, dang what's it. the what's the point of having a podcast if we're gonna have what's the point <laughs> of having these debates if we're gonna have this? Day? I was I they I knew there had to be some sort of supersonic weaponry or so, like some sort of radioactivity that was going on that they were testing Gosh, and the hikers were just in a they were just in a in the wrong place at the wrong time and they were like holy crap no right. we gotta we gotta get this hence why they took their cameras to document right. said testing but the Soviet Union said no 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 die die die. <laughs> And, and they just picked them off one by one. I'm thinking that... Here, here's what I'm thinking. First, I like this explanation because I think government testing explains a lot of the stranger elements of the case. For one, uh, it explains the reports of the orange things in the sky. I bet those were just parachutes um, that they were testing for, you know, dropping Par- bombs and weapons and things like they're, that. Yeah, I bet it was just orange parachutes in the sky. Oh, I was going to say, they're called parachute bombs. <laughs> like, those are a thing. Yeah, right, exactly. And uh, we, we we actually know that there was some level of military testing in the area. There was a fairly mm-hmm. close nearby um, lab. Something else that is worth noting is in the group, there was a World War One veteran. Um, some people think that he went rogue and was responsible for their deaths. That is actually one theory. I don't think that's true. Another theory is that he was planted there by the government. I don't think that's true either. What, Or at least I don't think that he was planted there to like get rid of them or anything. I think if he was there, he was probably just assigned like, hey, make sure they don't you know, get into anything that's government testing related. Right? Mm-hmm. But if that's the case, then I feel like if they knew, hey, these hikers are coming dangerously close to where we're doing all this stuff, the Soviet Union definitely had the power to do much crazier things than go up to these hikers at this university and say, hey, don't hike there. Because we said so, signed the Soviet Union. Uh (laughs) And all the kids would have to do is go, okay, let's go find somewhere else to hike. I... (laughs) Sure, that would have been nice, but that also would have drawn attention to the fact that weapons testing was happening there, which I don't think they they wanted anyone to know. Because Uh, it was secret. Government cover-up, baby. And and it was genuinely secret weapons testing. We didn't know that there was weapons testing in the area until later. Uh, I don't think it was even released in the original, like, case file because it was secret. So I think it's entirely possible this World War I veteran... Um, who was assigned to their group at the last minute, I might add, because he was supposed to go with a different group, but then that group backed out, and so he was suddenly with them. Um, I, I think I think that it's entirely plausible that that guy was told, hey, you know, make sure they don't get into any any trouble or, you know, get into to places where they shouldn't. Um, I can see that. The Soviet Union definitely was not shy about inserting spies where they wanted 
Right, exactly. And, you know, the guy probably also liked hiking. It would have been an easy assignment. He could have just gone with, you know, chilled out, had oh, some yeah. fun. Uh, you know, probably would have been just a, a, a fun little time as far as he knew. Something else well, that's interesting. He, oh, go well, ahead. Well, here's the thing. I, I'm, I'm gonna, then I'm going to say, because if that, if that would be the case, he needs to keep them on track, make sure they don't stray too far mm-hmm. away from their... Well, because we also talked about earlier how they were about a mile and a half off of where off they were supposed course. to be. That's if true. that would be the case, I'm sure that he would not let that happen. Well, unless, what if their presupposed path was an issue? What if the path that they were supposed to be going down was, you know, uh, getting too close to the weapons testing? And so he was mm-hmm. like, hey, uh, I think we're a little off track. We should go farther left. And then uh, yep. that's how they ended up on the mountain. So he was found, and something was interesting about his body, actually. Um, and it's it's one of the things that I wanted to point out that I just found out uh, very recently about this particular member of the group, um, which is that... Let's see. Let me find it here. Here we go. So... This is interesting. On April 12th or, uh, of 2018, Zolotarev, uh, that's probably more right, Zolotarev, um, this was the guy who was World War II veteran. Or, I said World War One. I've been saying World War One this whole time. Okay, every time yeah. I said World War One, scratch that and say replace it with World War Two. I don't know why I said that. Anyway, right. I just realized that that makes no sense time-wise. He would have been World War Two, not World so, War One. So, so just say, like right now, just say World War Two, and I'll try to, I'll try to. World War Two. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna there use go. that. Nailed it. Um. <laughs> so, something that's that's interesting. In 2018, Zolotarov. Zolotarev's remains were exhumed on the initiative of journalists of the Russian tabloid newspaper, yada, yada, yada. Um, they, they did tests, and uh, they found that the character of the injuries uh, resembled a person knocked down by a car. So that's pretty similar to what the original um, report said, yep. right? Uh, mm-hmm. It's like the equivalent of a, of a car wreck. The... Uh, thing that was really weird though was that the dna analysis didn't match any of his living relatives what yeah so there was no similarity between the dna on his body and his relatives what's more his name wasn't on the list of those buried at the cemetery um the reconstruction of the face from the exhumed skull matched post-war photographs of Zolotarev. The suspicion is that maybe someone else was hiding under Zolotarev's name after World War II. Mm. So it might not have actually been Zolotarev a... that went on the trip with them. That's weird. I actually did not know that. I didn't, I didn't dig- either I didn't, until I clear- like, today. I clearly... I was gonna say I didn't. I clearly didn't dig in, dig in as deep as you did. Well, I um, I've been pulling from a bunch of different, and 
to be fair, like, I probably this time spent half the time researching you did. I just had already had already known consumed so much, a yeah. lot of stuff so I could get into the, the more obscure you were things. The first, remember, you were the first one to tell me this story. We were at, like, that winter retreat. I yeah. was. And oh, boy. it is just as, as mind-boggling to me now as it was then. Um, it really is. This, I, I really, my, my whole, I wholeheartedly believe I'm in agreement with you. This is just this big government cover-up because they were testing weapons and it went wrong uh, and they got caught and they had to do the dirty deed and make sure that their testing was not disclosed. Because uh-huh. even after this incident, this particular location was closed for three years after they were found. Three right. whole years, nobody was allowed near this mountain or near this area, which tells me right. that they were like, oh, crap, we we, uh, we screwed up. So we just shut everyone out until we get this cleaned up. And yeah, yeah if that's the case, yeah, what's to hide? Hmm? Because, yeah, hikers <laughs> die. But, but, like, people die on trails. Like people right. are, people fall down mountains. People are eaten by animals. Like people are, are like just have heart. But people, if people die on a trail, they don't mm-hmm. shut down the park. They may close for a couple of days just to you know get everything underway. But they don't shut sure. it down for three years. So, what the heck are they hiding? Hmm. Indeed. You see what I mean? Anyway. Right. Exactly. Well, are you ready for my smoking gun, AJ? Because I haven't pulled it out yet. Pull the trigger, Cannon. Okay. Let me introduce you to one Dr. Vladimir Guvro. Okay. Vladimir Guvro. This is not an individual that I've ever heard mentioned in any account relating to the Dialov Pass incident. This is an entirely original theory that I have created. Okay. Is this this a real man? This is a real man. Alright. So, here we go. Are you ready? Because I think yes. you're going to hear this and you're going to go, oh, wow. Because my reaction was, no way, as soon as I heard okay. this. Okay. The central research theme of Dr. Vladimir Guvro, who, by the way, worked for the Soviet government during the Cold War, was the development of remote-controlled automatons and robotic devices. To this end, he assembled a group of scientists in 1957. I want to point that out. 1957. That is two years prior to the Dialov Pass incident. The group, including Marcel Mien, Henry Saul and Raymond Condot successfully developed a great variety of robotic devices for industrial and military purposes. In the course of developing mobile robots for use in battlefields and industrial fields, Dr. Gavreau and his staff made a strange and astounding observation which not only interrupted their work but became their major research theme. Do you want to know what they discovered? Housed in the large concrete building, the entire group periodically experienced a disconcerting nausea which flooded the research facility. Day after day, for weeks at a time, the symptoms plagued the researchers. Called to inspect the situation, industrial examiners also fell victim to the malady. It was thought that the condition was caused by pathogens, a building sickness. 
No such agencies were ever biologically detected, yet the condition prevailed. Research schedules now seriously interrupted a couple examination of a complete examination of the building was called. The researchers noticed that the mysterious nauseations ceased when certain laboratory windows were blocked. It was then assumed that chemical gas emissions of some kind were responsible for the malady, and so a thorough search of the building was undertaken. While no nauseous fumes could be detected by, an, uh, by any technical means, the source was finally traced by building engineers to an improperly installed motor-driven ventilator. The engineers at first thought that the motor might be emitting noxious fumes, possibly evaporated oils and lubricants, but no evaporated products were ever detected. It was found that the loosely poised low-speed motor poised in its cavernous duct of several stories, was developing nauseating vibrations. The mystery magnified for Dr. Favreau. Gavreau and his team when they tried to measure the sound intensity and pitch, failing to register any acoustic readings at all. The team uh, doubted the assessment of the building engineers, nevertheless closing the windows blocked the sense of nausea. In a step of brilliant scientific reasoning, Gavreau and his colleagues realized that the sound which, with which they were dealing was so low in pitch that it could not register on any available microphonic detector. The data was costly to the crew. They could not pursue the search for long time periods. During the very course of tracking the sound down, an accidental direct exposure rendered them all extremely ill for hours. When finally measured, it was found that a low-intensity pitch of the fundamental seven cycles per second was being produced. Furthermore, this infrasonic pitch was not one of great intensity either. It became obvious that the slow vibrating motor was activating an infrasonic resident mode in the large concrete duct, operating as the vibrating tongue of an immense organ pipe. The rattling motor produced nauseating infrasound. Coupled with the rest of the concrete building, a cavernous industrial enclosure, the vibrating air column formed a bizarre infrasonic amplifier. Knowledge of this infrasonic configuration also explained why shutting the windows was mildly effective in blocking the malady. The windows altered the total resonant profile of the building, shifting the infrasonic pitch and intensity. Since this time, others have noticed the personally damaging effects of such infrasonic generation in office buildings and industrial facilities. The nauseating effects of exposure to a low-intensity natural or man-made infrasonic source is now well appreciated. It has become routine architectural procedure to seek out and alter any possible such resonant cavities. The sources often appear in older buildings, the result of construction rendered faulty by previous lack of this knowledge. All such improper architectural formats are modified by the additions of sound-blocking materials. AJ, I want to ask you, where were the bodies that contained the significant injuries found? By the ravine. You mean the set of walls that might reverberate sound waves to an excessive level? Wow. That's the, a really good theory. Thank you. The European that was, Space Agency, this is a modern piece of information, claims that if you somehow got accidentally locked inside their large European acoustic facility for testing the acoustic resiliency of their satellites, you wouldn't survive the sonic onslaught. A key factor here is that you'd be in an enclosed space. Outside, sound waves disperse and dissipate too quickly to reach lethal levels. Because of the ravine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Boom. That that's that's a sound theory, pun intended. <laughs> Look, I'm I'm just I'm just I'm yeah. 
That yeah, that's a lot better than my other theory. Well, I want to address quickly the other things that people might have thought about. <clears throat> so this okay. theory goes into um, radioactive clothes. I'm going to attribute to the fact that one of the hikers worked in a nuclear facility, and it was uh, those clothes were linked to him. So I think it was probably just background levels of radiation that accumulated on his clothing, and that's why that was found. So that's my explanation there. Um, I'm going to assume that the uh, that the testimony of the 12-year-old boy is incorrect in the uh, change in coloration, or that the deep tan might just be the result of the natural like leathering effect that happens to bodies over a long period of time. Um, <clears throat> I'd agree. Yeah. Um, the other thing, let's see, it seems like there was one thing. Oh, the orange lights in the sky, parachutes, just from testing in the area. Testing, you know, because they probably weren't just testing one kind of weapon. The sonic things were probably secondary. Oh, yeah. Um, why Why waste a large amount of land for only testing one specific? Unless it was, like, right. catastrophic for testing. But a weapon, a, a weapon such as that, it, that would that would take a whole mountain range. Sure. So there we go. That is my conclusive theory. That's great. Like I know we pretty much agree on government cover up because everything pin everything pinpoints to it. But sure. yours like really goes into depth, and I wouldn't be surprised if you drop dead a month from now, Cannon, because. That is well, fair. I have put I the target you, on my you, head now. Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. Okay, um, maybe I can save myself. If I drop dead, everyone needs to look toward the Russian government. Okay? Try and tie my death to the Russian government. There we go. Now yeah. they're less likely to kill me because, yes, you know, yeah, nailed it. Well, Pull the sneaky on you. You just need to stay. Pull a what's his name with Hillary Clinton. I I am of sound mind and body with no mental illness, and I declare this and that about this. And I'm just like, wow, what a baller. Stud. Yeah. What? Did, yeah, because who was that guy? He he was basically saying, I'm of sound mind and body. I have no mental illness. I do not want to kill myself in any sort of way, and I have proof that so and so is guilty of this. And he did that because, <laughs> right. you know, because people otherwise, have died. Right. Other, otherwise, otherwise, you get killed. You get killed. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty smart. Well, I'm almost embarrassed to share my other theory. I do want to hear it. Are you sure? Yeah, absolutely. I don't Doesn't know. Doesn't make me think about things that I haven't thought about. Okay. <clears throat> Evil, satanic, Russian nesting dolls. Absolutely. I'm already on board. Here's why I'm right and you're wrong. Okay. I'm ready. So what if you, if these they're all in their tent snuggling and they just see this little Russian Russian nesting doll just kinda creep into the tent. It's so adorable. And they're like, Oh, that's cute. How did it get in here? They open the tent and they see a ginormous evil Russian nesting doll and it just pops out little ones and little ones and little ones each smaller than the one before and you're probably thinking oh but there's no footprints there, there are no footprints they're freaking Russian nesting dolls they just flatten out the snow so it just looks like the, the snow 
And of if you're like, oh, course. what about the little ones? They'd make little like little pockets. No, they just as the people were running away in fright, the little ones who were able to just hopped in the footprints of the people running away, so you couldn't see them. Naturally. Those with, those with like lethal bone fractures. I'm I'm talking like the biggest one just came and just roundhoused. Just just absolutely wrecked them. Just sat on them. Just absolutely annihilated <laughs> them. And you're like, oh, that can't be. Well, shut up. It's you weren't there. None of us were. <laughs> shut up. You we're weren't going there. To, you should use that as a lawyer. Just shut up. Your honor, my clan is innocent. <laughs> he had blood on his literally caught red-handed. Shut up. You weren't there. You weren't there. I'll just use that as a cop. They call me in. Uh, <laughs> Officer Wright, did you pull this man over? I did. Did you use police misconduct on him? Like, like I'm talking like brute force? <laughs> what makes you say that? Because this body cam video. Shut up. You weren't there. Shut up. You weren't you there. You don't know. I you do know, me, no, because you weren't there. Don't judge. So that's that's pretty much all I got for that theory. <laughs> I I mean, you know, I was really confident in my sound wave theory. Yeah. But man, bet you if look you really haven't. Bet you feel really stupid now, huh? I I can't believe I didn't even <laughs> think about the evil Russian nesting dolls. I mean, didn't even register at first, but now that you say that, I mean, it all fits, really. I I thought about it all fits stating, just like oh yeah. a Russian just like nesting a Russian doll nesting inside doll. of a Russian nesting doll inside of another Russian nesting doll. It. I thought about doing Joseph Stalin's ghost, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I I really for some reason the way my mind works, I'm like, no, Russian nesting doll. Makes more sense than Joseph Stalin's <laughs> Way more grounded in reality, for sure. Let's not oh, get crazy here. Oh, 100%. Uh, Stalin 2 electric boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I mean, if you had to pick between Joseph Stalin's ghost and Russian nesting dolls... It's I... a hard sell, but I, I do have to... I think you were right. Russian nesting dolls, for sure. That's, That's what I thought. Go. Punk. That's the way I'm to go. The, I'm the king of, yeah, of all this. Mm, you did it. I did it. Yep, I'm cutting that. Shout was, out, by the way. Shut up, to... you weren't there. <laughs> Shut up to what? Shout out to uh, borderlandsciences.org, because um, that's where I got that thing about Gavro. Uh, I did, like, a deep dive of research to find out if there was any association with the USSR and sonic weaponry. And um, I finally found that, and I was like, that is just two years before, and this was a doctor that worked for this, <laughs> that worked for the Soviets during mm-hmm. the Cold War two years prior to the incident, discovering what was quoted as becoming the, uh, becoming the ma- their major research theme. And I'm like, I wonder what they were researching for. Hmm? I bet it's harmless <laughs> uses. <laughs> I bet it's laundry detergent. How to make that stuff stronger? I don't know. Um, Soap just ain't, I, that makes me realize. Well, if then it, 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 I could see it taking like maybe two. I'm surprised it took him two years to figure that out. That sort of technology. That's interesting. Now, 
if that's the case, and it's like, wow, we found this out, and then they go, hmm, I wonder if this can be deadly. And they go, well, mm. how are we going to test it? Hmm. How about on nine lowly hikers who don't know what's going on? They're just out here minding their own business. Okay, now I will say, full full disclosure, and, you know, a little bit of, of reason for the Russian government not to kill me, I don't think, Russians, that you guys are, res- like, responsible for intentionally killing them. I don't think that was the goal I think in all well, likelihood, of course, of course it was not, because unintentional. All the, well, all the government leaders that are alive, well, by government leaders, I mean Putin, he he wasn't in control during all this, so we can't really blame him for <laughs> everything that happened. I mean, we could. Why not? Putin, Let's do you it. you are solely responsible. For these nine dead hikers. <laughs> because um, that's how, I mean, that's how the national debt works. Why can't it work with murder? It, Makes sense to me. That's how they did it with uh, Bane in the Batman comics. Oh, your dad's not around. Put you in prison. Nice. Why did you say that name? Close enough. <laughs> Close enough. I'm just. I mean, that would also explain like why they were so hastily. Like they brought their cameras. They were so right. freaked. They they were like, why are all these soldiers? We see all these soldiers and all this gear and equipment and weird technology. I gotta I gotta sure. see this. And then they snap some pictures, then they're exposed, then they run. They're like, oh, we can't go back to the tent. They're there. So they try to survive, but they can't. So they try to go back and die in the process. And then they're like, oh, we got to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, could have been something like that. You know, now, They might have even I'll seen talk, those yeah. parachutes, and that's why they pulled out their camera. They were like, ooh, let's get some pictures Perhaps. of these. These are weird, strange mm-hmm. or- orbs in the sky. And they didn't realize mm-hmm. what was going on. And it's like, oh, look. You know, suddenly I'm super stressed out. And I can't pinpoint why, and I'm, like, nauseous. And... Everyone around me, I could tell, was also scared, but we're not sure what we're scared of, and it's just because of those waves that are permeating the area. Well, finally, you know, they they start running out. Some of them start freezing to death. Everything's, like, absolutely gone pear-shaped, and then the last four, uh, they stumble into a ravine. They're like, oh, no, we fell in here. You know, this sucks, but maybe we can take shelter in here because this is scary. Oh, no, suddenly my bones are vibrating. Why is this (laughs) happening? Crack. Oh boy! Why do I feel like a massage chair at the mall? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If there's anything we've discovered about sound, it's that everything has a a frequency that if you yeah. match it, it will it will break. It will break. And you know, especially being amplified by by a ravine like that, I could definitely see that potentially doing some internal organ damage and breaking bones, and that would also leave no external damage. So. I could also see it being they were testing it, but it was unintentionally powerful enough to hurt them in the process unintentionally, because sure. during the Soviet every like Russia they were so proud to be Russia, all of their comrades and brothers and sisters just loving each other. Great time to be Russian. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I feel like doing these sadistic experiments and the risk of hurting a fellow comrade, I don't feel like that's something that they would do, at least at that point in time, killing a fellow Russian when at the height of the Cold War. I would think mm-hmm. maybe that's why they're like, oh, snap, there are people here. Well, we can't just put a bullet in their head and hide them because they're one of us. 
So why don't we just let mm. them die, and then we will just find them later. Hmm? Because mm-hmm. I did do research on how the like it like it was not not the research that was found. It was said that like the Soviet authorities took like a quote suspiciously keen interest in the case. So maybe that was like, huh? You how they die? How long ago? And their injuries are, hmm. I gotta make wow. a call. Where are we? Oh yeah, I gotta. Yeah, I'll be right back. Yeah, I gotta just let me just hop over in a couple miles that way. No, no, no. You guys look the other direction. Okay, just yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Close your eyes and face that way. I'll be back before you know it. Okay, you I see just this? Hop re- on over. You see. You see this red tape? Only I'm allowed to cross it. You stay right here. And uh, while you're at it, I'm just going to go ahead and uh, cover the entire rest of the crime scene in red tape. Um, And there will be so much red tape that you uh, can't actually go anywhere. Is this a metaphor? Oh, look, it is. Okay, bye now. (laughs) Just, you know, jaunts on over. And he's like, uh, hey, there's a bunch of hikers that are dead here. And they're like, oh, yeah, that was that was us. My bad, G. And he's like, oh, okay, no, cool, I got you. And then he runs over and goes back. He's like, oh, no, the film disappeared while throwing it over his shoulder into the river. Like Luke Skywalker tossing his lightsaber. He's just like, oh, no, <laughs> slut. <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> it's just like, oh, no, these nine hikers disappeared. What? No, I survived. <laughs> Oh no, these nine hikers. <laughs> these eight hikers are found dead. Once alive. Oh no, these nine hikers have been found. No. No. What a sad day. Oh, what a the... bummer. What a bummer. Um, so have we have we solved it? Can we uh can we Have we solved it? Yeah. Can we put a big check mark on this case and be like solved? I, I... Buzzfeed solved. Buzzfeed solved. Honestly, if even if let's say in in some weird different reality, if this if Russia was like they they got it. How did they get it? They are dumb college kids. How did they get it? And they go. They literally. He literally nailed it on the dot. Where did he get this? Google. What? He got this on the end. Screw that. We are Russia. If, if they killed us, that is a heck of a way to go. Assassinated by Russian authorities. By Russian. Oh, we yeah, would be absolutely. In the history books, people would literally, like, people would be making conspiracy theories about us. Uh. AJ actually is in the FBI. He's not, he's already in it, and this podcast is just, hmm, it's just. No way. I found something else, AJ. No, you didn't. I just Googled something. This is even more incriminating, potentially. Okay. Okay. First of all, they don't know when he died. He died between 1968 and 1972. How do you not? That means means he was found. He was found. Yeah, they vanished this man. Because they were like, they found your crap. You screwed up. Oh, okay, I'll do better well, next time. There won't be a next time. Boom. Dead. So one of Gavro's experiments involved an infrasonic whistle that some say has led to a line of research that has military applications. William S. Burroughs described the possibly fictional device as follows. Quote, 
In developing a military weapon, scientists intend to revert to a policeman's whistle form, perhaps as big as 18 feet across, mount it on a truck, and blow it with a fan turned by a small airplane engine. This weapon, they say, will give forth an all-destroying 10,000 acoustic watts. It could kill a man five miles away. There is one snag at present. The machine is as dangerous to its operators as its enemy. The team is working on a way to focus it. Various systems of baffles have been tried, but the most promising method appears to be the propagation of a different and complementary sound wavelength backward from the machine. This changes the frequency of air wavelength moving in that direction, thus protecting anyone to the rear. There is, of course, a much simpler means of production, turn the machine on from a safe distance. This summary of Professor Vladimir Gavro's experiments with infrasounds is based on the Sunday Times article. A much more comprehensive article has appeared in an American periodical, the National Enquirer, great source of news. Uh, yeah. um, Professional Gavro's discovery has been patented, and anybody can obtain the plans in full description from the French Patent Office upon payment of two francs. So hmm. anyway, an account about a giant infrasound weapon. Kenan, I know what we're gonna do today. <laughs> it's gonna get those. It's gonna get those blueprints, and we're gonna. Oh my gosh. Let's make it. <laughs> let's make it. Imagine, let's like, recreate. It sounds, it sounds like he was just trying to make like a dog whistle, and then like he tested it and killed his dog, and was like, "Wait a second. <laughs> what have I done? I'm a monster. A monster." <laughs> And then he just oh kept goodness. yelling that, you know, until sometime between 1968 and 1972. He, he actually, like, he, like, he, he, he created this whistle. He became too powerful. He couldn't live with it. He wanted to kill himself because he didn't want to live in a world where he had, he had created such a weapon that would tip the scales of the Cold War and would kill millions of lives. So he mm-hmm. was like, how am I going to kill myself? A gun? It's too old. Nah. Hanging myself? Takes too long. Drowning? Nuh-uh. Burp? Like, jump off a cliff? No, that's too, mm-hmm. that's too cliche. I'm going to just <laughs> blow my whistle for as long as I can. Beautiful. And then maybe, if I blow hard enough and long enough, I'll die. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, we've been talking about negative things this whole time, and so I just wanted to kind of turn it around to end on a positive note and just let you know that I'm really glad that you're here, you know, talking with me about these cases, and uh, you really are my best friend. Well, I'm Cannon, that means a lot, especially when you agreed that my Russian nesting doll bit is superior to yours, because honestly... I, looking back, the ghost of Joseph Stalin. It's pretty big in theory, but it just doesn't. It's fair. Doesn't hold up to the hype of the Russian nesting doll theory. No, I agree. Yeah, for sure. I thought maybe Putin on horseback was a good one, but I just he wasn't there. Anything? Anything else? Wanted to add? No. Um. Oh, yeah, wait, hold on, yeah, have we talked about how Matthew McConaughey's a little...